Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Phil Mackey. Little smartass running around giving orders to everybody. Judd Zolgad. Judd. Do you enjoy any part of your job in any part of sports? Is there anything you take joy in? Mackie and Judd on 1500 ESPN. Mackie and Judd, are you guys ready to admit finally that a retractable roof, a retractable roof would have been <laughs> the best solution? $125 million extra dollars? Because I'm not yet, actually. I know there's been like, was it, 24 inches of snow or something in April? You know my The fa- most snow ever. My f- favorite part now is is I saw a bunch of tweets about this, right? They should have had a retractable roof. And what, what we now come back to, since the payroll is is at a decent price right now, cheap poll ads. So like we've gone from we've gone from it previously being look at the payroll, it's too low, cheap poll ads too. Well, now the payroll's decent, but we got them. Cheap poll ads wouldn't put a roof wouldn't on their put stadium. Put a roof on, yeah. They'll go, they'll go 180 million for hour, but they won't go 120 million for a roof, so we can play baseball in April. Um, I so I am steadfast. I don't care about the four or five games that they've missed so far. I'll take outdoor sunny baseball in May, June, July, August, as opposed to that whatever that thing is above the Milwaukee Stadium, five hours away. Ooh, I I tweeted something along those lines uh, a few days ago, and Brewer fans took wow. a lot. Brewer fans were very upset. Yeah, well, go but back. Here's go, my thing. Go put some tater tots in your cargo I shorts. Don't, I I don't even want a retractable roof. When I go to a baseball game in June, July, August, I want a ballpark. So my whole thing is, if you could go back now, and in fact, I checked, and the Twins did, the the plot of land that Target Field's on is not very big, but I checked, and they originally started with, with the concept of a roof. And then the state came in and said, we're not helping you. And the twins said, okay, that's cool. And they they pivoted then to a, a ballpark. I want a ballpark. So I have no interest. If you could go back now and say, yeah, but we'll build you something like Safeco Field, which I guess is really nice. I don't want that. The state was like, we're actually saving our money for this glass on the Vikings' new $1.2 billion stadium in a few years. That's going to kill a bunch of birds. State hates like, birds. we got to save our money for that thing. But I don't want, yeah, I don't want that. So uh, one thing I hate is when people take the most extreme case as an example of, like, what the reality is. So in this case, it would be 24 inches of snow in April. And if our meteorologist friends throughout the weekend are correct, the average snowfall in April is two and a half inches. And we're sitting on 10 times that right now, more than that. We're sitting on, yeah, we're sitting on about 10 times that kind of snowfall. So this is historic. It's ne- it's not going to happen again for, you know, probably 30, 40 years. Yep. Maybe never again. 
And I think we can all just put it in the rearview mirror here, hopefully, and dig our cars out. And the next best time part, they're back home, the snow should be melted. The best part is this. Uh, the, the last time that we got dumped on like this on an April snowstorm, and I think it was the exact same date as this year, 1983. We had a dome back then. Guess what happened to it? It collapsed, right? It collapsed. And, so you didn't play baseball there anyways. Yes. And I, th- I think I saw this, too. The most. This is the 10th most snow in a winter or in, in a season ever. Number two or three on that list was the 2010-11 winter season. Mm-hmm. Guess what happened in 2010 when we had the much over? The Metro Dome roof collapsed. It collapsed. Not so sturdy. I would, the only thing, and th- this is now, it, it's not just the Twins. There's l- lots of teams with uh, postponements. The only thing I would say is I do think that this is an opportunity, and, and I realize that, that this year is very odd, but this is an opportunity, I think, for if Major League Baseball is going to start in, in late March, to say, I wonder what we could do schedule-wise. Putting the Twins home for ten games was asking for trouble. But they would have, but, but they would have been home by now because right, they, no. st- they started on the road and then came. Like, I understand. They're like three or four I weeks into the season. I get that, but what I'm saying is they could have been home by now for let's say six games total. You've tried to get them a ten-game homestand. That's asking for trouble. But it, but Judd, don't you think that? So if you're, let's say you start the season on April first, even mm-hmm. by the time April fourteenth or fifteenth rolls around, you would expect you're not to be like this. Like you would have missed those games against the White Sox, even if you started right. on the road. But they also had Seattle here before then, and Houston, and it was cold as hell. My point is, hell's not very cold though. It was very cold. Let's just get it down. Why don't we get? Why don't hell. we get it down to a team like the Twins in the in the first part of April maximum. Six home games, and I don't care that Houston's upset. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't care that Seattle or the Angels are saying, "Well, that's costing us a home dates in the summer." If I'm baseball, I say that's too bad. In fact, in fact, if you build a ballpark in this part of the country, you should be told your reward is we're not we're going to give you better dates because of it. If you're willing to build a ballpark and spend the cash that it takes, which is a lot, that the Reward the trade-off is then yes you can go to Los Angeles to play a bunch of games. You think if you build an outdoor, outdoor ballpark, ballpark just yeah. to make it look better? Yes, that you should be rewarded by not being stuck with ten home games in the first part. Sure, of April. but I think uh, not to not to preview our Mister Fixit segment, which will not be about the Twins today. But I don't think Mister Fixit can come in and just say that. Like, what happened the last week is because of a schedule gaffe by Major League Baseball. What happened in the last week is an historic amount of snow. I get that. At a time of year that you only get about two inches on average in the month of April. But it does tend so. to be... But it does... T- tend to be cold when when the when the computer plops out Houston at Target Field in April, and I believe that the Twins go to Houston in September. A human being should say, "We're flipping those right now." Not oh that sure I, I agree with that. I was told that that when the computer uh, spits out the schedule, they don't change it. That's just silly. A human being can go in and flip series. You're not going to screw that that up. That's not flipping a bunch of series. But Houston in Minnesota in April. And I don't care if it's this year or three years ago. doesn't make any yeah. sense. I, I will say that you could have told me in 2010, and this is the this is the, the ninth year now of the stadium, which is crazy. Like, the, the stadium's almost a decade old already, and it seems like it was built a couple years ago. But you could have told me, and hell, we, sh- we should have or would have known this, because I think the first... The first home opener was like 60 or 70 degrees and sunny in 2010. It was incredible weather. Game. Yeah, it was great. It was incredible weather. Yes. 
Uh, but we have seen Stranger Things in the beginning parts of April. You could have told me, hey, at some point in the first decade of the stadium, there's going to be obscene amounts of snow, like two feet of snow, and you're going to have to cancel half of a homestand, and it's going to be a nightmare to make these games up. You're going to lose off days during the season. Are you still in for an outdoor stadium? I would have said 100% yes. Oh, I'm 100% yes. It doesn't. Completely. Because you're going to be sitting there on July 5th or whenever, like, I don't know if they're home on July 5th, but you're going to sit there on July 5th, and it's going to be 85 degrees and not a cloud in the sky, and you're going to have a beer in your hand, you're a fan, you're going to be sitting down uh, in section 124, mm-hmm. and it's going to be three hours of gloriousness. And you aren't going to be thinking, you know what, I really wish there was a roof on top of this thing so yeah. that that game on April 10th that we had tickets to that, that White Sox really game. bothered me. That, yeah, we couldn't watch the you know all these 20-year-old minor leaguers for the White Sox go out there and, and now, perform. I, I got tweets from folks who, who are from outside the Metro saying, well, yeah, but an outdoor stadium makes it hard for us to plan. Well, it does. Okay. First of all, though, your plan should only be to come here for games starting in June. And then if it rains, it rains. Guess what they do? They make up the game probably the next day. So I am not there is no argument I can hear that makes me say, you know what? The Metrodome was okay. The Metrodome was a horrendous baseball stadium and an average football one. And there's nothing you can say when when I'm at Target Field walking around that place to think to myself, you know, I didn't mind the dome. No, I hated the dome. It won at least one World Series. I understand that, and, and we can talk about that, but I hated that place. Uh, oh, do you want to talk about that? Your absurd take that you would give back two World I'd Series for two, outdoor I'd baseball. I give back two World Series. I would. <laughs> I would so actually. Ridiculous. I would actually argue though that the '91 Twins playing outdoors were talented enough to have have won it. I think the '87 team, that home road mark is so so. They they were so good at the dome. I think that that team won the World Series largely based on the Dome. I think the 91 team could have done it without the Dome. Oh, by the way, the Twins, who are going to Puerto Rico now, the Twins have a two-game series. Two-game series, right? Yeah, two-game series against the Indians in Puerto Rico this week. So they're going to have not played for, I believe, five days because they haven't played since Thursday last week. And they get Corey Kluber and Carlos Carrasco back-to-back, two of the top three or four pitchers in the American League. Warm it up, boys. Have a good time with that one. <laughs> and Lance Lynn's going to go like a week and a half between starts because everything got wiped out. And they want, rightfully so, Jose Barrios to pitch yes. in his uh, native land, Puerto Rico. All right, let's come back, talk more about Wolves and Rockets from last night. Jace Frederick from the Pioneer Press and TwinCities.com covers the Wolves. Later on, Derek Wetmore on Twins, even though they haven't played in like uh, a week. We'll talk to him at 1130. And Lindsey Whalen will join the show at noon today. Uh, we watch playoff basketball and hockey and all types of sports, Vikings during Viking season, on a 55-inch TCL 4K Roku TV that we have here in the studio. Uh, we watch all kinds of other streaming platforms, too. Uh, they've got countless streaming options, entertainment across the board, with 4,000 built-in channels and platforms and 450,000 movies, TV show episodes. If you're not watching sports on a TCL 4K Roku TV, you're missing out on the best picture quality on the market. Uh, also, all kinds of, now that like ESPN is adding a lot more content to its streaming platform, you can uh, get access to that via the built-in Roku device. Fox Sports Go, if there's multiple things on, um, you can you can stream on a TV with a built-in Roku device. You can stream, obviously, uh, on on uh, your tablet, too. So maybe what you do is you put Fox Sports Go, the app, 
on uh, Yoroku. It's a lot of different options. If you're if you're not really familiar, it's the third largest TV brand in uh, the world right now and America's fastest growing TV brand, TCL TVs. Mackie and Judd now continue. The sooner the better. On 1500 ESPN. What did he want? A free throw? A three-pointer? A layup? He got whatever he wanted in that, in that game, and I got to be better at, at taking that away from him. Shoot to make it. Came up short. I'll shoot it again if I get the opportunity. Jimmy Butler, after last night's loss, very conflicting because the Wolves almost won that game in Houston, which... I don't think anyone figured was a real possibility after the way those regular season matchups went down, but they shot themselves in the foot a number of times. Jace Frederick from the Pioneer Press and TwinCities.com. We saw your nugget on Twitter this morning. This is astonishing. The Wolves, if I'm butchering this, you correct me, but the Wolves in the final seconds in which they are tied or down by one, two, or three points are two for 18 from the field, and Jimmy Butler is 0 for 12. Might be time to try something different, Jace. Yeah, and, and someone pointed out to me that one of those two makes uh, was in the Oklahoma City game, like the third game of the year, and it was an Andrew Wiggins 40-foot bang shot. Wow. So, I mean, <laughs> what we, I think if, if that was the first opportunity, it might have been, might not have been. But might be one for 17 since then. And even that's not, I mean, like, that's a prayer. That, that just happens to kind of be answered for you. So I think maybe it says a little bit about, you know, late-game execution. Uh, I, I know fans throughout the year have not liked the looks they've, looks they've gotten in those spots. Um, and I, th- I think it's fair. I mean, I think the results back up the fact that whether it's play calling, whether it's whether it's how those play calls are being executed, it, it's not working uh, at the end of games for Minnesota. What's frustrating uh, from the, the standpoint of if you're a Wolves fan, though, uh, Jace, is that there doesn't there doesn't seem to be a play called. It seems to be, Jimmy, go try it, and and you watch the play unfold. And you know, last night Teague is there, and Jimmy Butler's not looking for for as many things as I like about Butler as a player. This is the one thing that I I watch these plays unfold, and I say that's just dumb basketball. There's no thought there. Yeah, that 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 look last night was. I, I mean, part of it was I looked at Mike D'Antoni and I thought that he was calling for Houston to foul, yeah. um, and maybe Butler heard and saw that too, and was trying to get off a look before that happened. I'm not sure, but yeah, you could see Jeff Teague was trailing and he was wide open, and you know that would have been a, a much better look than what they got. It would have actually been a three. Um, I think throughout the year, like you know, sometimes it looks like there's no play called. Sometimes I don't think Minnesota executes it quite right, so it ends up just being Jimmy getting the ball and having to kind of go one on one. You know, with, with, with whether it be screens or whatnot, Minnesota doesn't always execute those types of things uh, correctly. But you're right. I mean, so many times it ends up just being an isolation look and kind of a prayer with two seconds left, tightly contested, and, and your odds of making those are never good. Um, so it always looks bad. It looks bad on the, the team. It looks bad on Jimmy Butler. It looks bad on Tom Thibodeau. Um, and it's something that you would hope throughout the course of the year. Like early in the year, it's acceptable. You know, you have a bunch of new players. Chemistry's not there. You think, okay, they'll get this ironed out. But here we are in game 83, and it's still not ironed out. So, Jace, how do you assess blame uh, for Cat scoring only eight points last night? Uh, more importantly, I guess, getting off a total of nine shots. How, how much of the blame... Uh, for, for the fact that Cat was not more involved offensively in this game goes to Cat, and how, how much goes to Tibbs. And, you know, Phil posted uh, a highlight portion thing tonight or today of 
Cat being wide open in the corner at times for what could have been threes, and he's not even looked at. So how do we parcel out blame for the fact that that arguably I think your best player was not involved sufficiently in game one of that series? Yeah, I think it can be spread around pretty evenly. I mean, there certainly were opportunities to get him the ball last night where, where the Wolves didn't. Um, you look, though, like... Houston, they, they can switch everything, um, and then they, they put like smaller guys on them. It can be Eric Gordon in the post, like Chris Paul. But then you look, even when Minnesota sees that matchup, they have such a difficult time making the post-entry pass. So, like, I think there was a time last night where Teague saw it, and, and he tried to get Towns the, the ball, and, and the post-entry pass was so bad um, that by the time Towns caught the ball, he was so far out of position that there was nothing he could really do with it. Um, and Houston, the way that they play defense, when they make that switch – they at least know that that's where Minnesota is going to try to go. And Jeff Teague said this earlier in the year, and I thought it was a great point. It's a lot easier to play defense when you know where the fire is. So when they make that switch and they know that's where Minnesota is going to try to put it, then it's it's much easier to defend. It's easier to defend the post-entry pass. It's easier to defend it once Towns gets the ball because you know exactly what you're supposed to do in those spots. That being said, I still think Minnesota has to try to attack those more. I mean, if, if Towns has Eric Gordon on him, he's got to get, they've got to find a way to get on the ball and he's got to attack quickly. You know, and I think a lot of blame does go on Towns. He was not very active. Tibbs has talked about this many times this year, and if you watch it, it he's right. I mean, like, Towns doesn't get down the court quickly enough. Uh, he doesn't get his positioning. He doesn't post aggressively enough. Uh, when he has to kick it out, he doesn't repost. Um, he doesn't move uh, down there. Like, when he gets the ball and kicks it out, then he's kind of done for the possession almost offensively. And then, you know, like, he took nine shots. He made eight. Uh, I mean, and he scored eight points off nine shots. That's not a good efficiency. And uh, defensively, he looks almost out of it. I mean, he, that, that was one of the worst defensive games I've seen him play in a while. So he didn't really inspire confidence that if you got him the ball more last night that he was going to be more efficient with it and, and do something with it. Uh, his, his play, I mean, he was just he was not very good last night. So, I mean, I think you do have to get him more touches than that, but it, there's no guarantee at all with how he was playing last night that he was going to do more with it. Yeah, it was almost, it was, it was some weird combination of uh, of the team not making a concerted effort to get in the ball, but then him having kind of a deer in the headlights first playoff game syndrome too. So, but the fact that they had a chance to steal the game, uh, you know, there's like two or three little things they could have done differently, maybe to win the game. Jace Frederick is with us from the Pioneer Press and TwinCities.com. Derek Rose, probably the most effective offensive performance, and he held his own a little bit defensively. He's not a great defensive player, but he gets lost on pick and roll and kind of flails around sometimes. But overall. What did you think of Derrick Rose, and uh, and and do you think I saw this too that he had the highest usage rate of any Wolf, and he only played like twenty four minutes? Does does he warrant that type of usage the way that he played last night? I think ideally uh, he doesn't get that, um, but last night I mean he he probably had just about as much if not more energy than anybody else had uh, on the Wolves roster. I mean he he was getting decent looks, he was getting to the rim. Um, even though not all of them fell, um, he, he was he's getting about as good a looks as anybody had. Um, I thought he was kind of breaking down Houston's defense. And then maybe you'd like to see him look for other teammates in those situations a little bit more. He tried to finish a lot. Sometimes it worked for him. Sometimes it didn't. There were some possessions like end of the first half. They like did a clear out isolation for Rose, and he took a mid range jumper. And uh, I thought there was there's got to be a better look than that. Um, so there, I think there there are sometimes where maybe they went to the well a few too many times, but I thought Rose was actually pretty good. Uh, defensively, you you right, he got lost on a few pick and rolls. Every Wolves guard does that in the pick and rolls, uh, besides Jimmy probably. Uh, but uh, the thing with Rose is at least he, you know he's always kind of putting in that full effort defensively, or at least he has since he came to Minnesota. 
Um, at the times he's getting lost, it looks more like a mental thing. He's physical uh, on the perimeter. Uh, he's probably, I mean, it didn't work out great last night, but he probably is one of the best options they have for James Harden other than Jimmy Butler. Uh, I thought Rose was actually pretty good. And I think we'll see, you know, maybe the usage rate offensively could go down, but I think we'll see about that minutes load um, for him throughout the series. Maybe a little less because Jeff Teague probably won't be in, in as much foul trouble as he was last night. But I think we'll see a lot of Derrick Rose in, in the series. And I think last night his play at least somewhat warranted those minutes. Yeah. So, Jace, do you think last night was just a, a huge glaring missed opportunity and now they're going to get swept or maybe, maybe, maybe they get beaten five? Or do you think last night – the Wolves stumbled into something uh, strategic or otherwise that might carry through the rest of the series and make it more of a grind for Houston than maybe was anticipated. Yeah, I think the players suggested the latter. It's hard for me to not think it's the former. I mean, Houston, there's three-point looks. Not that not many of them were like hyper-contested there. Um, they had some good looks, and they shot 27% from three. Non, I think other than James Harden, everybody else shot like three for 25, and these are a bunch of really good shooters. Uh, the 27% I looked it up last night, Houston shot worse than 27% from three in five regular season games. Wow. So it's it's probably not going to happen uh, again. And I think, you know, like like that's what Houston does offensively. And I want to say maybe they, 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 the Wolves, I guess, maybe to some degree took it away, but those were a lot of really good looks, and they're looks that Houston normally makes. By the way, so, too, I mean, Mike D'Antoni, after the game, was asked about it. And, and, and for people who missed the quote, he said, yeah, I mean, if – I think they might have put a hex on us. It might have been uh, they, they were causing us to miss shots with their stare or something. Gave no credit to the Wolves defensively for the missed three-pointers. It was just, I don't know, maybe there was a hex. <laughs> yeah, and I, and I honestly, I think he's kind of right. I mean, like a lot of those looks were really good looks. I don't see them missing again, uh, at least at that rate. I mean, and, and if they hit a few more shots, then they probably pull away sooner. So maybe Minnesota found something. I don't know. Maybe maybe they did find a way to look at the guys where they'll miss it. If so, that's great scouting by Tom Thibodeau. Uh, but I just don't see it. I, I think Houston's going to hit more shots. And I think you know, uh, I, I still see them winning the series in, in four, maybe five games. What can be done uh, to uh, slow Harden more? Or is he just that good and they're, they're in big you know, tr- trouble against him if he can get a shot off? Well, the thing with Houston is that it's, I mean, you're, you're picking your poison. Like, you, you can send two. You can just try to blitz them every pick and roll. But that just ends up even leaving the more open threes. And maybe on a night like, like last night, that maybe is what you can do later in the game, uh, blitz them and hope Houston misses the threes like they were. But, you know, if you do that later on in the series, you're going to get probably get crushed. Um, as Houston can shoot 40% from deep, and all of a sudden they've hit four threes in a row on you. They, they kind of force him to make some contested threes. Um, he, he hits some tight shots. I, I think that's probably the best way you have to go about it. I mean, and, and just kind of hope he misses some mm-hmm. of those. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think there's a really better option. Houston has so many options and so many weapons on the court that it's kind of like pick your poison. And I, I don't think what they picked last night was wrong. Maybe I would have adjusted in the fourth quarter when he was clearly red hot. But as a whole, I think contesting his looks and making him hit those step backs with a hand in his face is about as good as you can do. Yeah, for sure. Hey, great stuff, Jace. We'll Thanks, talk Jace. soon, man. Thanks, guys. Appreciate right, it. Jace Frederick from the Pioneer Press and TwinCities.com. Yeah, I mean, James Harden was absurd. Yeah, I don't think there's a lot more that probably can be done consistently to slow him. Well, one thing, and, I, and I'm and not saying by any means that officiating was the reason why the Wolves lost that game last night, but he travels on that step back. There's a little video clip of him taking, like, four steps back. So he does that little, like, to even take the two-step hop and take a three is sort of a questionable, like, is that a travel, is it not? Yep. He had one where he was probably three or four feet inside the three-point line. 
steps back with so a one-two quick step back when he pulls his dribble and then realizes, oh, I'm still not behind the three-point line. So steps back <laughs> twice again. It was like four steps and no, and he caches the three and no one calls it. Traveling when you want to call it sometimes. Huh? It used to be just like, oh, you could take maybe three well, or four steps the... on your way to the rim, but now you can take four steps backwards to make it a three-pointer. Apparently, what was the play where Cat got the ball? That was weird. Thought that there was a whistle or something. Nobody knew what was walked, happening. Walked with the ball. He didn't actually. He kept. If you look at that clip again, he kept his. Did he pivot? He kept. It looked like a travel, but it, I thought it was a travel. It looked way more like a travel than it was. But so they had. It was. It was a two shot foul, and they took the first shot. I think was before a timeout. All right. And then a timeout happens. They come back, and it was like the even like one of the refs didn't know. One of the refs walked toward Towns yeah, to grab the you ball. You can see that on the replay. And uh, and everyone on the court and the refs reacted like, oh, that's just the first of two foul shots. Wait a second. No, we already did the first. <laughs> oh my god! Throw the ball down. It was a weird looking play. Dave, what's coming up in stuff next? More words from Charles Barkley that we did not get into. Uh, not talking about the Timberwolves and Greg Popovich was ticked off after game one. Mackie and Judd now continue. It's going to be awesome. We can't wait. Mackie and Judd. Be ready. On 1500 ESPN. And Stuff You Should Know About is sponsored by Free Prints. Print up to 1,000 photos on your phone for free with Free Prints. Download the app and choose photos on your phone or on social media. Prints arrive in just days. Download it now at freeprints.com. And now, ladies and gentlemen, please rise. Men, remove your caps. As we honor America and the Twin Cities sports scene with the playing of Stuff You Should Know About. More Charles Barkley, pop upset, the jam-packed stuff, Dave Harrigan. Thank you for that wonderful intro, Judd. Let's start with Greg Popovich, Spurs head coach. They got whipped pretty good by that team that all the Wolves fans really wanted to play in the first round, Golden State Warriors, without yeah. Steph. They were very beatable. Yeah, so beatable. Yeah, well, so they beatable. Uh, they took it to the Spurs in game one over the weekend, and Pop was not happy about it. Okay, what do you want? <laughs> I'm so tired of this. What went wrong for you guys tonight? Uh, oh, my God. What went wrong for us? Yeah, this <laughs> afternoon. Sorry, I lost my They game. played better than we did. Coach, uh, you started uh, Danny Green uh, basically on Kevin. Was that, I mean, did, did that work very well? No. <laughs> did you watch the game? Yes. What do you think? <laughs> didn't. It didn't work very well. So we'll we'll have Danny grow four or five inches <laughs> by Monday night, uh, tell him to jump higher and move quicker. And we'll tell Kevin, don't be so good. Come on. Were you surprised by the starting lineup that Steve put out there? And, and was the tone of this game, I mean, was it set from the beginning? Uh, no, we weren't surprised. But the second part of your question is a good one in the sense that they looked, you know, they had more grunt. They had more physicality. Uh, the first quarter, we looked like deer in the headlights. Very disappointing. I thought we were very prepared physically and mentally, but I was mistaken. I love the, the the first question in that string of questions. The guy apologized for his question before Pop even answered. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry, I lost my train of thought. Oh, God, don't kill me. <laughs> oh, guy number two, then after the, after the first answer. Oh, dude, it's hilarious. Pop He's playing t- the role of hockey coach there. They had more grunt. They yes, more had grunt. more physicality. Have you guys ever heard grunt used? A grit for sure. No, I've never heard grunt. Grunt is a new one. I don't think grunt is, I mean, sports-wise, what, what is grunt exactly? 
grit I get. You're gritty. Yeah, it's usually but grunt. Are you like mad? Is that you going mad? What's you the snort? word for for a word that sounds like the noise that it makes? Is that onomatopoeia? That uh, sounds right to me. Yeah. Like grunt sounds like onomatopoeia, right? Like grunt, <clears throat> grunting. No, I have no idea. Okay. <laughs> hey, why can't you just ask? So Pop comes back with, yeah, we'll just have Danny Green grow an extra five or six inches. So if you know that the first part of the Q&A is, a, is just a formality that he's going to dunk on you, if you ask a basic question like, you know, what could you have done differently, and you know he's going to dunk on you and call you an idiot, can't you just skip ahead to that part of the questioning? Hey, Coach, uh, have you thought about ways to get Danny Green to grow a few inches the next time you put him on he'd, you Kevin know what? Durant? He'd probably love it. He'd probably like and that that's the, part. That's the path I would probably take after a few of those. <laughs> just sort of like a comedy show. Hey, Danny Green on KD didn't really work. Any better ideas, Coach? Yeah, because that one sucked. <laughs> Don't you almost have to approach it that way? Yeah. I would think. Uh, Charles Barkley, as you heard uh, maybe early in the show, hates bad basketball. Hates what the Wolves were doing last night, not taking advantage of mismatches. Hates bad basketball and hates other things too. I just hate dumb basketball, man. Yeah. It's like a, you know, I always think football players are dumb. <laughs> Oh, oh, oh yeah, football players dominant rocks. Okay, it's, uh, <laughs> all right, Chuck. I'm telling you, man, dominant rocks. All right, Chuck. Is everybody man, in the studio ready? Now. Don't be calling me to help you. Yeah, I'm just telling you, the only football players that are smart are the offensive linemen. Oh, the rest okay. of them are just a bunch of dummies okay. out there. Okay. Defense, you call the defense. Oh, they dumb. just run in the paper okay. full speed. That's right. dumb. <laughs> <laughs> he was on his A game. Uh, did you guys see the reaction when he brought up James Harden as the most unguardable player in NBA history? He yes. was like, and he brought up Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant, James Harden. He goes, I, I think, and he's played against both Kobe and Michael Jordan, so I guess he would he would be the one that you know that could bring that up. And they all looked at him like, what, Mike Michael Jordan? He no. threw the direction uh, the question directly at Kenny, and Kenny his response wait, is that a serious question? Yeah. <laughs> Well, okay, putting aside Michael, the rest, no, put aside Kobe, too. He's like, Kobe scored 80 <laughs> points in a game. Yeah. 80 points a game. In fairness, I don't think the question was as dumb as Kenny Smith's reaction to the question. But the answer is no. He's not quite as unguardable as Michael Jordan. I love Barkley. Although the Wolves made him look that way. That time I was going to say, night. statistically, he looks like he was. Yes. You guys see who made a return to SNL's weekend update over the weekend? No. LeVar Ball. Oh, my God. Or their version of okay. LeVar Ball, okay. who started out bragging about Lonzo's great season, then that was quickly corrected. Lonzo actually averaged 10 points a game, making him not even the best rookie on his own team. <laughs> Kyle Kuzma averaged way more points than that. Man, don't talk to me about no Kyle Kuzma. <laughs> He's just keeping that seat warm on that Laker bench until my other sons get there. LiAngelo, LaMelo. And my long-lost Mexican son, the Biblioteca. <laughs> now, none of your sons are projected to be NBA draft picks. Lies! I also read that you started your own league for young players called the Junior Basketball Association. You're damn right. My own league. Only real ballers need apply. You think you got what it takes? Then bring your A-game to tryouts this week at the First Korean Baptist Church in Temecula. <laughs> La Biblioteca Ball. <laughs> that is a great bit. <laughs> oh, wait. Congratulations to Lonzo Ball, by the way, for shooting 36% from the oh. field this season. Bravo. And how are the two well kids done. doing overseas? Are they still in do Lithuania? We, do we have any idea? <laughs> one of them declared for the draft, right? Isn't one of them? Yeah. I guess the, they would both be eligible, the right? middle kid, whatever. Is that 
Is that the shoplifting kid? That's La Biblioteca is the Mib- yeah, kid, Yeah, I think right? that's right, yes. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> yes, the, the UCLA shoplifter. The shoplifter is going to go in the trap. Oh, hopefully he steals as well defensively in the NBA as he does overseas in basketball trips. Okay. It's Monday. you got plenty of time to work on the act for the rest of the week. Strange things are still happening with the Miami Marlins. One of them actually went their way over the weekend. Marlins bases loaded against the Pittsburgh Pirates, and this happened. Swing a high fly ball out toward a medium deep right field, and Polanco will make the catch, his throw home, and it will be way offline. The throw to second is way high, oh, and no. sails into center, and scores another. For everybody. And here comes Rojas rumbling around third. He's going to score three runs, will score. And what was going to be a sack fly, and the Marlins have a 4-2 lead. Three-run sacrifice fly. You don't get that a lot in baseball. Oh, that's impressive. You also don't get teams that are based in Miami often claiming that they're actually based in the British Virgin Islands. We had that last week. Mm-hmm. So a couple intrepid young men, maybe not so young, decided to go check out those British Island or, or British Virgin Islands uh, homes, the home offices of the Miami Marlins. One of those, a radio host. The other, Lawrence Levy. Marlins man. Better known as Marlins man. We have a report from Marlins man himself. It's a rack of mailboxes, and you it's called Letterbox Rental, and I got a picture of it. I just went from Miami to Puerto Rico to the Virgin Islands to bring orange Marlins gear to people down here to find out there's nobody here. It's just a drop box. Yeah, it's a PO box. I'm shocked by this news. He was going around. I follow him on uh, on Twitter, and he was posting videos like that. And he went around just trying to see how many. There must be a lot of Marlins fans, right? Sure. Couldn't find any Marlins fans. The operating home of the Miami Marlins. Ended up passing out little uh, Marlins visors and (laughs) T-shirts to random people in the little post office box area. That was interesting. Also interesting is what happens when you get stuck in your bus at Bristol Motor Speedway and you happen to be Daryl Wallace Jr., Bubba Wallace, and you got a race to get to Sunday, boys. How are you going to do it? What happened? Are you having fun here in Bristol? Yeah, so I just got stuck in my motorhome. The door wouldn't open. So I had to come out through the uh, the crapper. The hatch. Yeah, the hatch there. Did you say trapper? Crapper. Oh, okay. I thought I, I smelt a little something. Oh. I don't know how you get out through the crapper exactly. I don't know how the bus and the hatch thing oh. works, but yeah. I hope you don't have to, you know, Shawshank Redemption, that kind of thing. Okay, if that was one of the options to get out, there have to be like five other potential options, right? I'm, like break a window, that's what I was break say. a door. I'm breaking a window. Cut part of the wall out and walk out, right? That can't be one of the top five ways to get out of the camper. I think it means that he like lifted the whole toilet thing up and then there's just a, you can slide right out so you don't actually go through, you know, uh, issues, but you know, if that's icky. If you're about to die in a a camper fire, I could see that one. But I think if I'm just trapped, I think I'm with breaking a window. I would take my chances with a bag of marshmallows before I would do that. The camper is Actually sounds quite delicious. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, you two go for it. <laughs> Tell me how it works out. You guys see any of the uh, Thunder's uh, playoff game? First playoff game? Saw most of it, yeah. Ricky Rubio's first playoff game as well. That's right, but Paul George, he stole the show, or better known as... Well, both of y'all, can you just talk about playing with Playoff P finally and um, just getting a chance to see him getting it going like that? That's his name? Playoff. Playoff That's P. the new name? I don't know. 
I'm gonna let I'm gonna let Russ answer that he one. That. <laughs> so, yo, that was Carmelo and uh, Russ Westbrook after the game being asked about playoff P. Who asked the question? Some random journalist. Well, both of y'all, can you just talk about playing with playoff P finally? Playoff P. When, when did Paul name himself playoff P? I don't know. Yesterday? I don't think. No, I think they were all. Weren't the players all like looking at each other? Did the reporter make that up? No, I think George referred to himself as Playoff P, and so the, the really? reporter ran with it. Yes, I don't think. <laughs> yeah. No, Paul George has now declared that he's Playoff he's, P. So he has declared on his own behalf that he's Playoff yes, P. Yes. Okay. That's why they think it's such a joke. <laughs> hey, Paul, Paul, come on. No, 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 no. no, no. That's <laughs> Playoff P to you, yeah. good sir. All caps. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, we, have, we still have bonus stuff when we come back here. The Joe Maurer photo that's making its way around the internet we have to get to. Also, Derek Wetmore on Twins. The Twins just announced all their makeup dates about 10 minutes ago. We'll throw those out. And Lindsey Whalen at noon. Mackie and Judd. Phil Mackie, Judd Zolgad. Both of them sketchy and sometimes slow. Mackie and Judd on 1500 ESPN. Kickoff spring in stride if we ever get to spring with the Medtronic TC one mile. Thursday evening, May 10th, on the riverfront downtown Minneapolis. It's short and sweet, fast and fun. Run with coworkers or friends and family. Choose from race waves for first timers, recreational runners, corporate teams, and more. Then stay to cheer on the pro runners racing at amazing speeds and enjoy the post race party with food trucks, cash bar, and a live DJ. Head to 1500ESPN.com, keyword events for more details. I think it's spring in Puerto Rico now. I'm pretty sure. Close right. enough if it's not sure officially. It's not snowing there, too. I don't think they received uh, 18 inches of snow over the weekend. Could be wrong on that. Uh, you got to see, if you haven't, this picture that the Twins have sent out. They had all their guys dress in sort of a classic Puerto Rican style, right, for the trip with the white linen pants or linen pants of some kind, a lot of, like, white linen shirts and those hats. The cabana hat deal. Exactly. Joe Maurer, <laughs> in the back of this photo... <laughs> <laughs> in like, how would you describe it? It's like he's got kind of the tan linen pants. It's a patterned greenish kind of flowery shirt, a button-up shirt mm-hmm. with sunglasses tucked on the inner part, no undershirt, and uh, and like a like a brown cabana hat and a giant cigar <laughs> hanging out <laughs> of the left corner of his mouth. And the look on his face is like, oh, it's not like a like a mobster from the 1930s. I would describe it as gloriousness. <laughs> It is absolutely glorious. When you guys first saw the photo, probably on Twitter, when the twins sent it out, and you see, oh, it's a group of players. He is the first player you searched out, right? Oh, absolutely. Because I, you know, you click on the photo to blow it up. All right, where's Maurer? Yep. Oh Wait. my right. God! Yes, yeah. Joe. Okay, we've known Joe Maurer in the public eye since 2001, two thousand one, two thousand ish, almost two decades. Is this photo the most personality Joe Maurer has shown in the two decades we've known him? Absolutely. It has to be, It's not even close, I don't think. I can't think of any other time. In fact, I saw that, and my first thought was, Photoshopped. That's not really him. (laughs) It's his face, and he somehow, they've like put the hat on him. My first thought was, there's no way that this is really Joe. Okay, here's another question. And I get that it's it's tough because it's a visual and we're doing this on the radio, but... Do yourself a favor during lunch today and go track down this photo that the twins sent out. If Joe Maurer were more like what this guy is probably like, cigar, oh, five o'clock him. shadow, love him. You know, potentially has ties to some Puerto Rican mob. We would, yeah, we would 
we would not rip on him for taking walks with runners <laughs> in scoring position, right? Like we'd be all over this guy. Absolutely. This guy would be, and this guy would also, by the way, this guy would hit more bombs. This Joe oh, Ma right yeah. here would hit way He'd more be bombs. He'd the coolest guy in town. <laughs> he would be. So Dave with a great suggestion. It's not exactly the old AT40. The countdown rolls on. But it's definitely a countdown worth paying attention to. How do I get ranked? Now, <laughs> Phil and Judd rank them on 1500 ESPN. Where does this photo of Joe Maurer rank among all of the things that give you joy regarding Joe Maurer? So of all of like, the, the ways that Joe Maurer has given you joy as a baseball fan, and for some of you, maybe he hasn't given you joy. Where does this photo rank? Oh, go ahead. Start us off. I don't, I've, it's so far in, in a way, the top one. <laughs> okay. That's your answer. It's so far. No, but I'm trying, I'm trying. The big to home th- run season, this I'm crushes trying it. To th- I'm trying to think of, of uh, other Mauer highlights, 2009. It, I, I actually, as walk far off as. Walk-off bomb last year. And wait, wait. As far as Mauer off the field stuff, I'd say the only thing that might come a Close second, just because it was funny, was him doing the, uh, was it the Kemp spots for a while? The Mel- Lando Lakes. Lando right? Lakes, okay. Yeah. Good, Go- good brand, and we have no idea what brand Those it was. Were- we just know that Joe Maurer likes Terry. I think he did Kemp's. I think it was, yeah. But I mean, was that Kemp's? was, but that was Maybe so, both, but, but that was so Joe, right? You know, vanilla ice cream, you think of. But this one is, it's just glorious. I think it's, it's for sure in the top three. I, I would rank him this way. It's number one. It's number one. Yeah, it's I, I would rank him this way. Number number, th- number three is the Anytime Fitness campaign he did like seven mm. or eight years ago with the kittens. I think it was just an online video campaign. <laughs> Barely remember that. One of my good buddies uh, direct, uh, produced that, like where he's like holding up kittens and like mm-hmm. nuzzling kittens. That's number three. Mm-hmm. Number two is the entire MVP season of 2009. And number one is this photo <laughs> with a Cuban cigar, or is it a Puerto Rican cigar? I don't know. Do they have Puerto Rican cigars? I don't it's know. It's a cigar and a bucket hat. For sure. It's amazing. This guy right here, at least 20 bombs every season. Who, this Joe Maher right here. Perennial. Doesn't matter if who he changes his position. Yeah. Who do we Plays think through concussions. Suggest- this guy right here. Who do we think suggested this look for Joe? Because they deserve a lot of credit. <laughs> if it's the wife, whoever it was, God bless you. He's got a new branding team. He's got a new branding team. God bless you, Joe. <laughs> credit to boring Joe Maurer on Twitter, by the way, with the great line uh Retweeting that photo and say, "Don't worry, mom, it's not lit." <laughs> Hashtag <laughs> not lit. So perfect. <laughs> oh my god! Uh, Wetmore is coming in here in like a half hour to talk some twids. We'll talk some, Joe even Maher. though they never play. They just never play. Apparently, uh, Lindsay Whalen at noon. We can discuss how her life has changed since the last time she came on the show a week ago. Dave, what kind of questions do you have for us? I'll probably find something about the Wolves last night. And then an interesting sports talker that was brought up by Dan Patrick a few days ago. All right.